Hello again, everyone. I'm Matt Laughlin. Welcome to another edition of Pirates Talk. The Shaheen Holloway era is underway at Seton Hall. The men have started out 3-1 and one under their first-year head coach, who returned to Seton Hall with much fanfare after leading the St. Peter's Peacocks on one of the all-time Cinderella runs in last year's NCAA tournament, going all the way to the Elite Eight. Now Shaw is back where he starred as a player and where he served as a longtime assistant before taking over at St. Peter's. So, how has the team looked so far, and what does the immediate future hold? For that, I turn to my good friend and longtime friend of this show, Jerry Carino, who follows the team for the Asbury Park Press, where his work can also be found at app.com. For those on Twitter, make sure you give Jerry a follow at NJHoopsHaven. Jerry is one of the premier college basketball writers in the nation, and it is a great pleasure to welcome Jerry Carino to Pirates Talk. Jerry, let me start by wishing you and your family a happy Thanksgiving, and thanks so much for joining me. Thanks a lot, Matt, and Thanksgiving means football to a lot of the country. To me, it means feast week and more basketball, <laughs> and we're getting knee-deep into the non-conference schedule and starting to find out a little bit about these teams in New Jersey, Matt. No doubt about that, and uh, it is awesome, right? Uh, I know there's one eye on the NFL and college football is coming to the end of the regular season, but college hoops is in full swing, and that is a good thing. So let's focus on Seton Hall. We'll have you on another time, maybe in another forum. We can talk on a more broad-based basis, but 3-1, and one, the record is probably what people expected it to be for Seton Hall. Uh, you know, they, they beat Monmouth, they beat St. Peter's, they beat Wagner, and they lose to Iowa. So sometimes 3-1, and one, is different from three and one, if you know what I mean. So is this a good three and one for Seton Hall? How have you seen the first four games? It's really interesting because you still don't quite have a feel for this team, right? I thought it was a big mystery going into the season. And you've seen them just dominate, you know, three uh, lower profile, mid-major type opponents, even more so than I thought they would. And, you know, Wagner and, and St. Peter's, they're not bad. You know, Mammoth's rebuilding, but Seton Hall just completely crushed them and then and looked good doing it. And then you see them against Iowa at home in their first test, and they lost by 16, which, by the way, Matt, is the biggest, is the biggest margin of loss for Seton Hall at home in a non-conference game in the 16 years they've been in Prudential Center. So really uh, surprising. So I don't know. I don't know. I think, you know, it's a good three and one because they look great in the three wins. Was the Iowa game sort of a, a wake-up call or, or, you know, a, like I said, in the preseason is going to be fits and starts. Maybe that was the fits. Uh, or, or was it more of this team is going to take some time against better competition to get better? We're going to find out in Orlando this week. So the jury is really out. And I think these three games in, in Orlando in the Speed Week tournament are going to be a proving ground for the Pirates. Yeah, we'll talk about those games in just a moment. It starts on Thanksgiving night against Memphis. So I'm not sure if Shaheen Holloway was sitting in on this show that he would know what he's got in this three and one team. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I think he's still trying to figure out things. He changed the starting rotation uh, against Wagner. He brought uh, Alamir Dawes, Dawes uh, from a reserve role to a starting role. I think Shaw's still trying to figure out what he's got too. Right. And part of the mystery in the preseason was no, I only saw the team twice. Usually you see him a couple more times than that. And Holloway it was very down on. He was very you know, critical of his team to us. So without having seen them a whole lot and just hearing his criticisms. Now, 
we're still getting to know him as a head coach at the high major level, right? Uh, what his nuances are. And by Kevin, the end of Kevin Willard's 12 years, I can read him like a book. I was a, a translator of uh, Willard speak, you know, had an advanced degree in that, Matt. Uh, so we're still getting there with Charlotte. I've known him for a long time. I did cover him some at St. Peter's, but it's different, different situation, different stage here. And so, like, I was convinced this team was going to be in for a real rocky start. Then I saw them the first week, and I'm like, what's this guy talking about? And then against Iowa, you see, you know, the concerns that Shaheen had, right? The ball movement, the the passing, the, the ball security, the ability to consistently make an outside shot. And, of course, the biggest question the Pirates have, which is if Tyree Samuel is in foul trouble or hurt or needs a break or is having a bad game, who is going to man the paint? He got those sort of cheap fouls against Iowa, touch, touchy calls by the officials, and then downhill it goes for Seton Hall. No one can play the paint in his absence with Alexis yet in a hurt and out indefinitely with a knee injury. So, like, so much rides on Samuel, who looks much improved. There's no one to replace him, and I think that's the concern going forward. So it's going to be really matchup dependent, and we'll see what they've got. But that's my my take on them so far is I think Holloway's figuring out, like, what, what he can do with his guys. Can I play Trey Jackson inside? Yeah, he's 6'10", but he wants to be a shooting guard. Can I play him inside? How much can Casey Nadefo play inside? He's only 6'7 and 205 pounds. He's inside of St. Peter's. Different animal at this stage. So Shaw's trying to figure some of these things out too, and you're going to see like a little roller coaster here, I think, in the non-conference portion of the schedule. And, and that's okay. I know fans wring their hands. Oh, that was a loss, or oh, they didn't look good. But this is all about building. There's a long way to go in this season. And as Holloway has said time and time again, oh, the schedule's tough. The schedule's tough, and it is. And we'll talk about that a little bit. But yeah, I, I don't think you worry in November. I don't know that you worry necessarily in December. Come January and February, you start to worry if you don't see things coming together. But until then, I think you just let a new coach figure it out. So many new players, everyone's trying to figure out everyone. Right. And let's just be let's just be clear about something. I was really good. Yeah. Like I think they were underrated, uh, underranked. You know, they lost an NBA player, but they have an NBA player too, and Chris Murray, who is Keegan Murray's brother, he's the NBA player they lost. I mean, Chris Murray, and you've seen this time and again with Seton Hall, when you have an elite bucket getter like a Miles Powell or an Isaiah Whitehead or an Angel Delgado, when you have an elite player, it makes a huge difference. And Iowa had that elite player, and, you know, you saw the difference it made. So we don't know who that player is for Seton Hall yet, if they're going to have one. It doesn't appear they have an elite player, but is there a go-to guy, Matt? I don't know because they've had four games and none of them have been close. So they haven't really been in a go-to scenario. now. Kadari Richmond, second team preseason All Big East. He seemed to be ready to be the go-to guy after last season. Hasn't happened yet. And I do think there's been an adjustment to Shaheen Holloway, who's taken him off the ball some and has been working on him in terms of, you know, I want you to dribble less, pass more. I want you to pick your spots better. I want you to play better defense. I want you to rebound more. And so you see Richmond trying to do some of these things. He's trying to figure out what Shah's asking of him. And I think that's why you haven't seen you know, Richmond move into that go-to guy role. And Shaheen, who's very honest, Matt, I mean, you've seen this after the games. Like, he is blunt and startlingly honest he is. after these games. And he said, like, I need more out of Kadari. I need this out of him. I need that out of him. Unprompted. We're not asking him questions. He's volunteering his thoughts on Kadari Richmond. So I think Shaheen is like the point guard in Shaheen. 
the playmaker in Shaheen is is raising the bar for Kadari Richmond. And so that's something that bears watching. Like, will he move into that role? Another thing that everyone's trying to figure out early on here. Yeah, you mentioned Tyree Samuel and now Kadari Richmond, those two returners, and they hold an awful lot. <clears throat> excuse me, a little frog here in the throat. A lot of excitement in uh, New Jersey Devils hockey, and uh, it's affected the throat a little <laughs> bit. Uh, you you run bet. off 13 straight wins, brother, you know? Yeah. Well, hey, you got to do what you got to do, man. That's your thing, right? This is this is 1A for you, but the <laughs> Devils are 1, and, and it's a great season so far, so good for you and good for them. Yeah, so uh, hopefully the frogs are gone from here on out. But those two to me, do hold a lot of Seton Hall's fortunes in their hands. And yeah, with Samuel being the only big a big man, there's a lot that rides on what he can do. I, I think he's got, if not unlimited potential, that's a little too optimistic, but he's got a lot more, I think, that he can give. And I think we're all trying to figure out just what Kadari Richmond is. And, you know, the worst thing an athlete can do, Jerry, you've covered sports a long time, is think too much. It's got to flow. And, you know, with the challenges he's getting from Shaheen Holloway, I'm sure there's a there's, there's a lot going on between the years for Kadari Richmond. Uh, what, you know, when Shaheen took the job, I mean, he talked about, I can't fail. I cannot fail in this job. I know coaches always put pressure on themselves, but his pressure, he seems to let it out and let people know, whether it's making comments before being prompted to do so about a certain player or how his team is playing the expectations he has, you know, oh, I, I I, don't like our offense. Oh, I don't like our defense. It kind of depends on the game type of thing. Uh, what, what, what is he bringing in terms of intensity? What, what do we know in this little run that he's had? And, you know, I mean, he's been around the campus a lot as an assistant and a player, but, but what do we know about a big time spot for Shaheen? Well, first of all, he, he knows the place better than anybody. And at Seton Hall, you have to know the lay of the land, right? Seton Hall has some challenges in terms of resources, uh, in terms of, you know, the market they're in, this pro market, uh, in terms of recruiting. you got to recruit the right types of players who want to play in this sort of quasi-urban environment. Uh, you know, not your classic, uh, you know, Big, Big Ten type college campus, uh, playing in a pro arena. So, yeah, you, you have to know the lay of the land. So Shaheen knows the lay of the land better than anybody. I've said this many times, Matt. After Richie, the great Richie Regan, Shaheen is, he is more in Seton Hall's bloodstream and vice versa than anybody, I think, ever, you know, in the history of Seton Hall basketball. And, like, he's a lifer. So I think this is a destination job for him. You can't say that about many people. They'll, he'll stay as long as they'll have him. And I think that's what he means when he says, this is so important to me, like, this this university and, and Shaheen and the program, they're terrible. And so everything that got McDonald's All-American at St. Pat's, he's the first great player there in what's become, you know, a national powerhouse high school program, right? He goes to Seton Hall, leads him to a sweet 16. They still haven't been back since he was in uniform. Uh, becomes an assistant coach, helps Kevin Willard revive the program there. Goes to St. Peter's, has an all-time unprecedented Cinderella run to the Elite Eight. Everything the guy has done has touched, has turned to gold. He's super intense. His standards are really high. And I think he's trying to mold everybody to his will, you know? That's what's going on here. But what you can see early on, and you, we, we've, we've talked about all the question marks we have, but what you can see unquestionably is his attitude infused in the program. Look how hard these guys are playing. And even Donald Copeland said something in a postgame after the Wagner game, Donald, 
of course, coached at Seton Hall last year and is now Wagner's head coach and a great guy and another pirate, you know, through and through, bleeds, bleeds blue. Donald said the, he was asked about the five holdover guys, you know, Tyree Samuel and, and Jameer Harris and Trey Jackson and these guys from last year. And he said, these guys are playing so hard and harder than they played last year. And that's because of Shaheen Holloway. And not that they didn't play hard. They did. But there's an intensity level, a tenacity level that you haven't seen in the past from these guys that we've seen infused through the program. And that's culture. So that foundation is being laid for sure. And that we can say we've seen for sure. And that flows from Shaheen and his super intense, blunt force, you know, tidal wave nature. I, I know recruiting is not necessarily the thing that you cover the most, but it's part of the job, of course. What, what's the early word on, on what he and his staff have been able to do to get into some households? It's a mixed bag, right? Because it's a different world now with the NIL, the name, image, likeness, players getting paid for that. Uh, players, players getting paid for that. It's become a, uh, it's become sort of a, it trumps and a lot of the players coming out of high school now, what can you do for me? And I, and you know, what Seton Hall can do is a lot less than what, so they're comparable, their peer high major universities can do because a lot of the NIL driven alumni collective driven, you have some of these schools that have huge alumni fan bases forking over a lot of money to recruit players. And they lost a player to Memphis. Okay. Uh, Tyler Johnson, a Brooklyn guard, just a couple of weeks ago, Memphis has FedEx, you know, FedEx is financial backing. That's FedEx cutting some NIL checks. You can't compete with that. If you see it all. So Seton Hall in a, is in a pro market. They're not going to have that big corporate sponsorship. Those those big boys are in with the pro teams here. But in Memphis, that's the game in town. And so that's where FedEx is backing. And that's what you're up against. So on the high school front, not well. And the fact that they haven't signed a recruit yet for the class of 2023. But before you, you know, you, you throw in the towel at Shaheen's recruiting, he's a resourceful guy. And look at what they did in the spring, putting this roster together, using the transfer portal. Leveraging his connections to New York City guys like Al, or you know North Jersey New York guys like Alamir Dawes, like Femi Odakali, you know, the guard they brought in, like Casey Nadefo came over from St. Peter's, uh, the Davis brothers. They brought in five transfers, impact players. Okay, five transfers, impact freshmen. So they're going to be resourceful in the way they recruit. It might not look like traditional recruiting for a while, but they're going to get players one way or another out of the transfer portal. Or maybe finding guys who are a little overlooked. Um, that's the way it's going to be for now. And, you know, fans want to see four and five star high school players committing. It's just not going to happen right now. It's just not the climate. So I wouldn't worry about it too much. I think that we'll see in the spring. I would think they'll be resourceful and, and sign guys who can contribute right over. Remember, Holloway put together an NCAA tournament caliber roster this year without the NIL being resourceful. And I expect him to be able to do that again going forward. And I'm sure Seton Hall will do what it can on that front, the NIL. I mean, their proximity to New York works in their favor, but you've got to be able to work all those connections and, and make it happen. But it is it is a new world in college sports. All right, what about Alamir Dawes better off the bench or he had a terrific start against Wagner? What do you think? That's a good question. Uh, right, I think he'll continue to start now because he did play so well and they did open up well against Wagner. Uh, you know, Dawes is... He's not just a one-dimensional guy. He is a shooter, but he's also a very good defensive player. 
And you saw that he had three steals in the opening three minutes against Wagner. So that's the type of intensity I think Shaheen wants. If you wants, it's not a knock on Jameer Harris, who has played pretty well. But I think Shaheen's looking for a way to get Alamir started, to get him jump started because he wasn't really hitting stride. And so if that works, you're gonna you're gonna see it keep working. I do I do think he's one of the Pirates' best five players for sure. <laughs> What about the Davis brothers? Uh, I didn't know much about them. Uh, you know, Dre is the junior, his younger brother, Tay. Uh, Dre's, Dre's a beast. Yeah, he's a physical guy. A little, a little undersized as a Big East forward, but, but it makes up for it with, you know, he's strong, tough, uh, good high, high, high Q, too. Guy knows how to play basketball. And Tay Davis is really talented. I think he's the most talented freshman they've had in the program in several years. Um, uh, you know, probably going back to, to Mamu, to Sandro, Mamu Glashvili, who's in the NBA now. This guy's got talent. He's got explosiveness. He just looks like he just oozes big-time potential. And he does know how to play the game. The Davis's father is a high school coach, a prominent coach, coached them in high school. You know, you can tell Matt sometimes when you have a coach's son, right? The way they play, the way they move the ball, the way they think the game. And these guys have it. So funny, interesting, we mentioned in recruiting – this is one case where, like, they – I don't think they really had a connection to Holloway, but they – the parents saw what – the way Coach St. Peter's and said, I'd love my, my sons to play for that guy. And so there's an example of Shaw cashing in on what happened last March. But, but yeah, that's – these two guys can really help the team, and they fit in well. So he's going to use 9, 10 guys. You're going to see a lot from those guys. And Tate Davis, there's a guy who – like, he has future of the program written all over him based on what we've seen so far. Well, good news for uh, Seton Hall and good news with the Davis brothers. All right, so ESPN calls the uh, Invitational. Thanksgiving, it's Memphis. Then it's either Nebraska or Oklahoma. Then another team, depends on how the tournament goes. And then Kansas. What, are you kidding me? What lies ahead for the Hall? <laughs> really crazy. And, you you know, you heard, you heard Shaw criticizing his schedule that he mostly inherited. Right. He sounded a little bit like Willard there, didn't he? Willard was always always had a bone to pick about the schedule. And it's like, Kevin, you Kevin, you made half the schedule. Why are you so mad at it? You know, so Kevin, Kevin left the schedule for Shaw. But and it is tough. But Kansas, really, that was the leagues that did that. I mean, that they're in this thing with the Big 12, Big East and the Big They paired Seton Hall with Kansas. So that had nothing to do with Kevin. Or, so he, he got stuck with a trip to Kansas, which is. Probably maybe the hardest possible game in the whole country. The you conference know? once every ten years. Uh, yeah, it's tough. But let's talk about Orlando first, right? I, I do think it's really important. So it's November. Uh, you got to get you got to get a couple decent wins under your belt for resume purposes. Yeah. And this is a chance to do that. Now, they open the with Memphis. The two best teams in the A team tournament are playing each other in the opener. How does that happen? Well, you know, if you want to feed the conspiracy theorists in you, Matt, it's ESPN taking two teams that aren't that aren't in their in their in their stable of contracts. Uh-huh. Seton Hall specifically from the Big East, which you know had an ugly breakup with ESPN about a decade ago, and just sort of shoving them together like they really should have been on opposite ends, not playing against each other in the opener. I mean, this bracket was created was drawn in July. You knew by then who had that roster so but that said it's a good game and i think it's a real good resume building opportunity for the hall 
And I do think they match up well. Now, Memphis is a really good point guard. But Memphis plays the kind of game, like, they're not going to try to grind Seton Hall down inside. So they're going to try to push the ball and pressure. And I think Seton Hall can, can play that type of game pretty well. Uh, and then if they win, it's important to win because Oklahoma is a lot better than Nebraska, right? So you don't want to – Nebraska really stinks. I mean, they're really lousy, lousy program. Fred Hoiberg's not done a good job there. And, you know, you, you want to play Oklahoma. You don't want to play Nebraska in that second game. So the best odds of playing Oklahoma are beating – is beating uh, Memphis, and that gives you, you know, two real good quality opponents off the bat. This is all about collecting quality wins this tournament. Like, you don't want to go there and then beat Nebraska and beat Siena. What are you getting out of that if you lose the opener? So, yeah, I think it's important for Seton Hall to, to win, you know, to win two of these three games against decent teams, uh, and I think they have a chance. Like, they have a real chance to win the tournament, uh, but we'll see how they react in this tournament setting. But I do, I will tell you this. I think Shaheen Holloway is a much better game coach than Penny Hardaway. Seton Hall will have a big edge. They might not have as much talent. They'll have a big edge in the, in the coaching box in this one. Oh, well, we'll look forward to the matchup on Thursday night. Last one, and I'll, and I'll let you go. Uh, you're on the way to cover a game, aren't you? Yeah, Rutgers rider tonight. So, little Jersey versus Jersey. And, uh, you know, Rutgers will get Seton Hall in a couple weeks, and we'll have time to think about that. But that is going to be a big deal because both teams – have shown a lot of promise so far. Yeah, December 11th um, in Piscataway. All right, so uh, I appreciate your time. Uh, again, very busy uh, time of the year for you. So the last one is just early thoughts on the Big East because we'll certainly talk about it once we get into the heart of the season. They did not do well in the, uh, in the Big Ten, uh, in the uh, Gavit games against the Big Ten. Uh, now, some of that has to do with the matchups, but uh, the Big Ten really, really bonked them on the head in that. So this is important week for the Big East, right? Feast week is super important because the Big East is, you know, they, they tend to come in metrically a little lower than some of these other high major leagues in the Ken Palms and the Nets of the world. And they really got to do a lot of work at a conference. Uh, so, like, this is an important week for them. I don't know. So far, I'm a little disappointed in the league. Now, Villanova has to be graded on the curve here because – they're missing the two best players, potentially, who are hurt, who we expect them to get back later in the year. So that is obviously a factor. Uh, you know, when you have Georgetown as abysmal, that drags everybody down. You know, we'll see about DePaul and Butler. They could be weak links, too. And that hurts the league. So, so far, not a great start. That could really change in a couple of days, though, Matt, as these teams scatter throughout the country. Creighton's in Maui. Uh, which is a real chance for them to show how good they are. We all think they're a Final Four contender. And so opportunity for the league. Like, college basketball is unique like this, right, man? In other sports, when you're a fan of a team, you know, you root against the teams in your division, right? Like, crazy. But in college basketball, Seton Hall fans should be rooting for the other Big East teams this week. You know, St. John's playing Syracuse. Seton Hall fans should be rooting for St. John's. It, when Those wins help bring up the league's collective uh, metrics, which really helps on Selection Sunday. So early returns, very early, not great, but I do think the league is is decent, and we'll have a chance to show that over the next week or so. Jerry, appreciate it. As always, enjoy tonight's game, Rutgers and Ryder, and we will see you at a Seton Hall game in the near future. Happy Thanksgiving, my friend. Same to you, Matt. Let's talk again soon. And that will do it for this edition of Pirates Talk. Thanks to Jerry Carino for joining me today. Jerry's work can be read in the Asbury Park Press. You can find him online at app.com, and you can follow him on Twitter at NJHoopsHaven. 
The Pirates return to action tomorrow, Thanksgiving at 7.30 p.m. against Memphis in the ESPN Events Invitational in Florida. They'll play either Nebraska or Oklahoma the following day, with a third game against an unknown opponent on Sunday. It depends on how the Pirates do and how the rest of the tournament unfolds. Then it's on to Kansas before they return home to play Lincoln University at Walsh Gymnasium on December 7th. Pirates Talk is available wherever you subscribe to podcasts. I invite you to rate the show, leave a comment. I would love to hear from you. Thanks to Pat Christensen, the sound engineer of today's show and the writer and performer of the Pirates Talk theme. His help is invaluable, and I am most grateful. And thanks to you for your company. It's very much appreciated. I'm Matt Lachlan. Until next time, be safe, be well. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone, and let's go Pirates! Pirates!